This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Welcome to Body Matters. You're with Alana Oliphir. And yes, it's lovely to have you this afternoon. Um, today I'm going to talk about a topic called Where Does Sin Start? So I just want to jump straight into this topic because I find it such an interesting topic. And how does sin affect our hearts? And what is the ultimate scheme and plan of the enemy? So if you're ready, I'm ready. Let's just jump straight into it. Okay, so how does the enemy wage its war? That's one of the questions I always ask. And one of the things that I realized from Joyce Myers is she has a book called The Battlefield of the Mind. So where does the battle wage? It wages in the mind. And you see the enemy is so cunning. He will plant thoughts in our mind and he will watch and see how will we respond to what he plants in our minds. So you know that sin can also come through our senses, um, the things that we choose to watch on television, uh, on our cell phones, um, you know, what we read. I know many times God has really stopped me from reading certain material um, that he knew wasn't good for me. And the things that we choose to listen to, like gossip and slander and all of that, And you know what? Bad company corrupts us eventually. What we choose to watch, what we choose to listen to, you know, who we tend to hang with, all of that affects us. And the enemy will always try and plant those thoughts in our minds. You see, the ultimate the ultimate plan of the enemy is to control our thoughts because our thoughts will determine our belief system and our belief system will determine determine our actions, which eventually will determine the course of our lives. You see, all forms of temptation begins with a thought. And that thought, we can either meditate on it or choose not to meditate on it. So you know that your thoughts are the gatekeepers of your heart. And I want to touch on that quickly. In Proverbs 23 verse 7, it says, As a man thinks... So he is. What does that mean? It means what you think you will become. So when the enemy plants negative thoughts in our minds and we do not take those thoughts captive. And when I mean captive, it means to either dismiss them um, or to choose not to meditate on them. Or they, if we do meditate on them, they will eventually take root in our heart. So what you and I choose to meditate on and over a long period of time will become the truth in our lives. And the King James Version in Proverbs 23, 7 says, also for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Now, I want to quickly touch on that topic For as he thinks in his heart, you know, sometimes when we think about thinking, if someone says, where do you think? You say you think with your mind, but the Bible refers to thinking, whatever you choose to think on, 
he thinks in his heart. So this means that there are di- uh, th- that our thoughts are directly linked to our hearts. Therefore, what we choose to meditate on will establish the conditions of our hearts. You know, many years ago, I read an article, and I know I've shared this many times before, where um, they did an experiment, um, and they took people who had heart transplants, and they researched those patients, and they found that these patients experienced some of their donors, which who they received the hearts from, behavioral patterns. The research concluded that the heart has a memory just like the brain and this study confirmed to me that there's a definite link between the brain and the heart. The Bible says that we should guard our hearts and the only way that we can guard our hearts is to guard our minds and in Proverbs 4.23 it says guard your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. You know that our thoughts will eventually affect our emotions. Think about it. If you have a bad day or someone says something bad to you and you, you reflect upon it, it stirs up your emotion and therefore our thoughts stir our emotions. So our emotions are manifestations of our thoughts and we usually act upon our emotions. You know, Stevie Covey, Stephen Covey once said, there is a split second between stimulus and response, meaning that we will still have time to choose how we are going to respond when something presents itself to us. You see, our emotions are powerful, but also the most deceptive of all because they are regulated by what we choose to meditate on. Our emotions can change our perception of reality that can influence our truth. Therefore, we should not be controlled by emotions, but rather by the word of God. And this means that we should not respond according to the way we feel unless it is according to the word of God. Just as we need to guard our thoughts, We need to manage our emotions and not allow our emotions to dictate to us or manage us. Okay, so here is an example of managing your emotions. Um, In Ephesians 4.26, it says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Okay, so... This illustration is a little bit of a step ahead where it says, when you are angry, do not sin. So when you and I experience an emotion, that emotion necessarily is not sin. But when we act upon that sin or our emotions, then it can become sinful. You see, when we th- when we replace the word anger in this sentence with any other negative emotion, so when you are feeling sad, when you are feeling depressed, don't act upon it. We need to deal with our emotions swiftly and practice self-control so that we do not respond 
all react out of emotions that can cause us to sin. I also believe that some emotions are useful to us and God will allow us to experience them in order for us to make choices that will bring us back in alignment with his will. You see, our emotions also impact our decisions and our actions. Let's look at the power of the tongue. So one of the things that we normally, when our emotions are stirred, we tend to say things. And I know especially for me, when I'm hurt or I'm angry, the best thing for me to do is just stay away from anyone. Because if someone hurt me, you know, you want to, as as humans, we want to express our emotions, whether we hurt or angry. And then we tend to say a lot of things that we don't really mean, or we mean them, but we say it in such a way that will hurt other people. So let's look at the power of the tongue when it comes to our emotions. You see, we may struggle to keep our tongue in check when our emotions are out of control. And the enemy loves this because with our own mouths, we are ensnared, causing our own self-destruction. The Bible says that we need to keep our tongues from evil. And I want to read in James 3, 6, that says, The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil amongst the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the course of one's life on fire, and it itself sets fire by hell. So the emotions that we experience are not the sin. Rather, it is what we choose to do with our emotions that can be sinful. And in Matthew fifteen eleven, it says, What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouths is what defiles them. You see, our tongue has got the power to speak either life or death. Why? Because we were created in God's image and God spoke things into existence. Therefore, when we speak, whatever we speak or say, it could be either for good or for evil. Another scripture in Matthew twelve thirty six it says, But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. We can use our tongues for good or for evil. If we curse others, we are in, the, in danger of the fires of hell. The Bible also clearly stipulates that if we want to live a long life, we need to keep our tongues from evil. Evil talk not only affects others or others or circumstances, but can cut our own lives short. And in 1 Peter 3.10 it says, Whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from deceit. You see, we are ensnared by our own words and our actions where we do not control our thoughts and emotions. Our tongue is so powerful that it either sows life or death. Let's read that in Proverbs 18.21 that says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it and indulge in it will eat its fruits and bear the consequences of their words. Okay, so meditate on that. And just to recap, the enemy will always come. You'll plant seeds or thoughts in our minds. Some of those negativities come through our senses. 
And when we meditate on and we choose to meditate on that, it becomes our belief system. Our thoughts affect our emotions and our emotions affect our actions. And one of those actions is the tongue. You see, the enemy wants us to curse, to speak out negativity because there's power in our tongue. And I just want to repeat what it says. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And if the enemy can ensnare us, then we are in self-destruct. So meditate on that. We're going to take a short music break and then we'll touch on the topic of sin that leads to a hardened heart. If you've just tuned into Radio Care Pulpit, you're with Alana Oily Fear. My program is called Body Matters. And today I'm chatting about sin. How does sin enter? You know, how does the enemy attack us or what is his strategy? And one of his strategies is he plants thoughts in our minds and then he watches us and he sees how we are going to react to it. And one of the ways we tend to react is through our mouths. And when the enemy can ensnare us, then he's got us because life and death is in the power of the tongue. But let's look at sin in general. You know, when we sin, you know, when we don't deal with our sin, sin eventually causes us to have a hardened heart. And the fruits of a hardened heart are bitterness, anger, resentment, and most of all, unforgiveness. The enemy wants us to have a hardened heart. Why? Because God looks at the heart of man. And in 1 Samuel 16 verse 7, it says, For man sees the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. You know, a hardened heart can cause us to become miserable and self-focused people. We are no longer sensitive to other people's needs or able to heed the Holy Spirit. Some refer to a hardened heart as a slumbering spirit. Now let's read in Proverbs 28, 13 to 14 what it says. Whoever seals his transgressions will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall in calamity. Okay, so remember what I said earlier on, that there is a link between our thoughts and our hearts. So if we want to guard our hearts against negativity, we need to guard our thoughts because our thoughts are the gatekeepers of our hearts. So when we don't take our thoughts captive and we choose to meditate on bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness and we don't deal with it, it eventually causes us to have a hardened heart. So what eventually happens is that spiritual and physical death normally takes place over a period of time when we do not deal with our sins. So sin will eventually lead to spiritual death, which will eventually lead to physical death. You see, in many cases, sickness, and not in all cases, but sickness is the outer manifestation of inner sin. Sin and sickness are related to each other, as referred to in the following verse, that's in Matthew 9, 5, which says, 
when Jesus said to them, Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? So there's a parable or can I say a, um, not a parable, a comparison is the right word between sin and sickness. So he says, either I can forgive you of your sin or I can yield you because both will have the same effect. You see, the aim of the enemy is to cause us to have physical and spiritual death. And in James 1, 14 to 15, it says, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin and sin, when it's fully grown, bring forth death. The goal of the enemy is to bring about our own self-destruction. And the Bible says or tells us that we should take our thoughts captive. And this is our responsibility. You see, we should take our thoughts captive. We have got a responsibility. And in Philippians 4, 8, it says, Finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is any worthy of praise, think continuously on these things. So we are instructed to always meditate on what is good. Good thoughts produce good behavioral patterns, which eventually leads to righteous living. And as I said, our minds are the gatekeepers of our hearts. Okay, so let's touch on a hardened heart. You know, we all have struggles and hurts in our lives. We may have been verbally or physically abused, criticized, abandoned, neglected, disappointed, or persecuted by others. You know, somewhere along the line, each and every one of us have suffered something you know, the word says that um, God or Jesus says, if I have suffered, so will you. So many people have gone through many things. And sometimes we may even suffer the consequences of our own bad choices. So it's easy to stay angry, you know, with people that hurt us. And anger leads to many destructive behavioral patterns in our lives. You know, sometimes we... Um, yeah, we, we, we get angry with people, we judge people. And, you know, when we start getting angry and justifying our own behavior, we start playing God. And the truth is that our jud judgment is filtered through our own brokenness. And the result, therefore, is that we become guilty of sinning ourselves. You see, when victims judge their perpetrators, they eventually become perpetrators themselves. Isn't that true? Think about it. If someone hurts you and you retaliate, are you not as bad as them? You see, often the devil will remind us also of our past hurts. He will allow us to replay the events um, that happened to us in our minds 
over and over again to stir within us all that old emotions of anger and bitterness. And he does this to captive us, to keep us captivated by the past. Many of us may have been, you know, blocked out some of that bad um, experiences or those things were traumatic to us. We block it out. We do this subconsciously, you know, as a coping mechanism. If these experiences are not dealt with, they will remain within our subconscious, penetrating our hearts. And the truth is that if we do not deal with the root of the problem, we will still manifest the symptoms thereof in our lives. You see, out of the heart comes the issues of life. See, when we are hurt, we tend to put up walls around ourselves to protect ourselves from getting hurt again. How many of you, if someone hurts you, you just put up a wall? You know, you're cautious, you don't trust them. And that very wall that we build to protect ourselves becomes our own prison walls. The wall that we place around our hearts turns our hearts into stone. And when we have a hardened heart, we cannot experience the fullness of Christ's love or even that of others. And in return, we are unable to love others completely. You see, our hearts can become so callous that we are not able to heed to the Holy Spirit. And when we no longer can heed to the Holy Spirit, we are not pliable or useful in the potter's hand. You see, God wants to be in control. He wants us to surrender unto him because he is the potter and we are the clay. And in Jeremiah 18, 5 verse 6, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, Can I not do with you, Israel, as the potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of a potter, so are you in my hands, Israel. You see, there are people who have given their lives to the Lord, but the fruits of the Spirit are not evident in their lives. I don't know if many of you have gone to church or you know people have given their lives to the Lord, but nothing about them actually says they are Christians. You know, they might have been saved, um, but they are not living in the fullness of Christ. And, you know, often you speak to them and they lack understanding, revelation and knowledge of spiritual things. And there are possible or these are possible indications that they may have a hardened heart. Ephesians 4.18 says, let us read Ephesians 4.18. Being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of their ignorance, that is is in them because of the hardness of their hearts. I believe there is a possible connection of people who have unresolved trauma and a hardened heart that may physically manifest problems with one or more of their senses over a period of time. And you see, this is my personal opinion due to observation. So for many years when I have done inner healing, I have observed that a lot of people who have got trauma, who have hardened hearts, struggle either with their eyes, with their hearing, and with a lot of, of their senses, maybe skin rashes or outbreaks and stuff like that. And um, 
do you know what I am? This is my opinion that I believe that subconsciously, you know, when we have been through a traumatic period or we in an abusive relationship or whatever it might be that, you know, sometimes we want to protect ourselves so we put a wall around us and the only way we can shut ourselves down is by um you know through your senses and um and sometimes that's when in the spiritual when we when we shut ourselves from the world in the spiritual it manifests in the physical and that is just from my um personal perspective or opinion or maybe someone might even one day do a a thesis on it um, to actually prove that this is true so Isaiah 16 says make the hearts of the people callous make their ears dull and close their eyes otherwise they may see with their eyes hear with their ears understand with their hearts and turn and be healed isn't this the secret that I've just been talking about? So when our hearts are callous, our ears become dull and our eyes become closed. And I know this is a spiritual statement. And it says, otherwise they may see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. And yield is not just always um, um, inner healing, but it could be physical healing. So sometimes when we um, experience a physical manifestation of sickness, sometimes God has to deal with the inner um, inner healing first before the physical healing can manifest. You see, our hardened hearts can lead to our own spiritual and physical death. If we are of no use of God, when our hearts are like stone, the Lord wants to take out our stony hearts and give us a new heart. And in Ezekiel 36, verse 26 to 28, it says, And I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I want to and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decree and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave you and your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. You see, God is interested in the condition of our hearts because everything we do and say is to Determined by our hearts. And in Proverbs 4.23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Now, the issues in our lives are not determined by the outside world. And I want you to take note, the issues in our lives are not determined by the outside world, but determined by our inner world. A hardened heart cannot bear fruit, and every tree that does not bear fruit will be cut off. And that is in Matthew 7, verse 19. So when you have issues in your life and things that you are struggling with, it often comes from the inside, and it's not determined by what is around you. 
But the more you grow in the spirit, the more you mature in Christ, that itself will determine your inner world, your struggle and how you deal with that. But let us take a short break and then we're going to talk about what is the solution um, to a hardened heart. If you've just tuned into Radio K Pulpit, you're with Alana Willy Fee and I have been talking about the topic of sin. How does sin enter? You know, and we were chatting about the mind, um, that the enemy will always plant seeds in our thoughts, in our minds. And sometimes we also, the enemy uses the social media, the things we read, all of that to um to plant thoughts in our in our minds and there is a connection between our thoughts and our hearts because our thoughts are the gatekeepers of our hearts and whatever is in our hearts that will determine the our way of life because it says as a man thinks in his heart so he will become whatever the condition of your heart is so you will become. And there are many ways in which we can guard our hearts, and that is by taking our thoughts captive, bringing it under the obedience of Christ. And that is God's heart for us. But sometimes, you know, people hurt us. People say things to us. They do things to us. So even we make wrong choices in our lives. And we might be sitting with bitterness and unforgiveness and um all of that contributes to a hardened heart because one of the biggest causes of a hardened heart is unforgiveness. And one of the ways in which we can become pliable in God's hands is when we choose to forgive others. So we need to understand that we are only hurting ourselves and we place ourselves in captivity when we do not forgive ending up bitter, angry for the rest of our lives. How many people do you know that you know they live bitter, they're angry, they're always fighting? You know, it's because there's unforgiveness because maybe life wasn't, you know, didn't go the way they thought. Maybe there's disappointment. Maybe people have hurt them. And mostly those people got a hardened heart or they they got so, such high walls protecting themselves. But the solution that God gives us is forgiving others. And you know what? Forgiving others does not mean that the other person is not guilty of what they've done. Rather, forgiveness is to set ourselves free. Forgiveness is choosing to let go of offense and breaking the hold that others have over our lives through the hurt that they have caused us. You know, forgiveness is also a way of releasing that person into God's hands and choosing to let go so that God can deal with them and forgive them. And if I think of Romans twelve nineteen, it says, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. You see, as God's creation, we have no right to judge or take matters in our own hands. Otherwise, we are trying to play God. And, you know, God said he didn't come to judge the world. He came to save the world. You see, God will deal with our perpetrators far 
better than we can. You see, inner healing can take place once we forgive others and when we present, when we repent, sorry, not present, but repent of our own sins. And repentance is the key to receiving forgiveness from God. And in Matthew 6, 14, verse 16, it says, For if you forgive others when they sin against you, your Father in heaven will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others of their sins, your Father in heaven will not forgive you of your sins. And you know, I've seen people's lives change when they've chosen to forgive people that have hurt them. And there's a freedom that comes from forgiveness. You see, God does not only want to forgive us, but he wants to heal and restore us. And you know, forgiveness is ongoing and the only way to keep our hearts in a good condition. Matthew eighteen twenty one says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times seven, Jesus answered. I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. You see, we need to keep our hearts soft so that we'll be able to be pliable in God's hands. We need to guard our thoughts and walk in forgiveness towards one another. You know, forgiveness is so powerful. When we choose to set other people free, it's like stepping out of our own prison you know, sometimes people have done things to us in the past. They're carrying on. They are living their lives. They've forgotten about what they said or what they have done to you. But, you know, we've got as humans, we hold on to those things. We replay those things in our mind. And you know what? The only person that is getting hurt is you and me. When we hold on to it, you know, unforgiveness can destroy one's life. And the perpetrators are running free. They don't care about you, but you are holding on to it. And today I really want to end off by just praying for you that today would be the day that you will go and just forgive those who have hurt you. And sometimes there's so many things in our a subconscious, you know, that we have pushed aside trauma, you know, words spoken over our lives and things that people have done to us. And we, you know, we're struggling in life because the issues of life comes from our heart. It's not external, as I said, it's internal. And we need to deal with that internally in order to be healed. So let me pray for you today. Father, I pray for every listener out there who's hearing my voice. Lord, some of them might be listening to this program and have just realized that they've got so much, you know, unforgiveness in their own hearts. Maybe it's towards a family member. Maybe it's towards a father. Maybe someone has abused them. Maybe they're living in an abusive relationship, Father, and they just don't know how to get out of there. Father, I pray today that you will touch their hearts, that you will put a desire inside of them to forgive, to surrender, Lord, 
everything in your hands. Father, that they will choose to walk in forgiveness today, choose to set their perpetrators free. And Lord, they're not really setting them free, but setting themselves free today, Father. And your word says, if we forgive others, you will forgive us. So Father, today I ask for forgiveness over each and every person's heart. I pray your mercy and your grace over their hearts, over their minds, Father God, that they may choose to think of what is good and right and worthy of praise, that they will surrender their hearts in your hands, that they will become pliable again. Lord, some people need new hearts because their hearts have become so hard and so callous. And I pray for their hearts today, Lord, that you will soften their hearts Soften their hearts that they may experience your love, Father, like never before. Because it's only your love that can break the hardest of hearts, Daddy. I pray today that they will choose you again, Lord, to be their Lord and God over their lives. So if you have listened to this broadcast and you feel like you just want to recommit your life to the Lord, you just want to surrender again, or even for the first time, just pray after me. Father God, I am a sinner. My heart is hard, Father. Today I choose to forgive every single person that has hurt me with their words, with their actions. Even those, Lord, I can't remember. I choose today to forgive them and I commit them in your hands. Father, forgive me of my sins. Wash me with your blood. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I choose today to make you Lord and God over my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to be pliable in your hands, Lord. I choose to surrender. I commit everything, my life, to you. Come and do as you please, Lord. Let your will be done in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, just believe that God has forgiven you. He says he chooses to forgive us of all our sins. And he remembers it no longer. And God gives us a clean slate. He says his mercy and grace is upon us each and every day. So choose today to believe that God has given you a clean slate, that the past is forgotten and everything is new. So I just want to thank you for listening to my program. I trust and I pray that somewhere out of out of this um talk today you have gotten something out of it and that you something that you can meditate on something that you can think about and even just release that all into God's hands 
So thank you for joining me. We will chat again the same time next week at five o'clock from me, Alana Willie, for you. Goodbye. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.